and welcome to Subtitles on the only podcast about movies. Uh, you know, it's a podcast about movies, but it's not just about movies. It's called Subtitles on because we keep the subtitles on because it's a show about writers who wrote the movie and we read the movie that they wrote while we watch the movie with the subtitles on, which is how we read it. And normally we have done movies about writers who write movies. And today we are doing a movie about a writer who wrote a book that became a movie, but he didn't write the movie. And that's a little different. And so we have a guest who's a little different. And the guest today is a journalist and it is a journalist who has done some big profiles of big celebrities, kind of like what's happening in this movie, The End of the Tour, written by Donald Margulis. Um, <laughs> Margulis. Margulis. Um, uh, uh, but I have Allison P. Davis with me. Allison, welcome to Subtitles On. Thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, yeah, thank I really you. appreciate Absolutely. it. Uh, many people know that I am a wife guy. It's uh, true. You know, and, and proud, proud of it. And it's Wife Guy Week on the show because I have you and another one of my wife's friends coming to do the show. And I'm so happy you're here. You came in from New York and I wanted to do End of the Tour with you. And we discussed two possible movies, but I wanted to do this one because not only do you do what David Lipsky is doing in this movie where he profiles David Foster Wallace for big celebrities like, uh, for example, um, Lena Dunham. I read that one. I love that profile. And uh, and I think I've passed along this compliment, but everyone else can hear it publicly now, which is I talked to someone who worked with her on a project and they said that reading that profile, because obviously she's someone about whom there's been a lot of writing and discussion, that the profile was the closest thing they'd ever seen captured to like what the experience actually is of like being with her and being around her. Cause it was, it was interesting where it was like, seemed to me to be a very charming, interesting person who also is sort of exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that all of that came through uh, in the piece. And then of course you did the famous Meghan Markle uh, profile. I will plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Still in hiding. <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about that? And you've profiled writers as well. Emily Henry is that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um do you just want to talk about that a little bit? Like doing doing these? I mean, I'm gonna ask you as we go through about some specific things that the film portrays and whether they got it right, but mm -hmm. like um how did you start doing these do you like doing it <laughs> um uh you know are there ones i left out that you have any like particularly interesting thoughts or stories on or anything like that yeah well i mean the question of do i like doing them is a complicated one because <laughs> like not really but yeah. it feels like my calling so i just grin and bear it although i'm trying to like take a break from celebrity profiles because a there's like no hollywood right now sure so celebrities are sort of just but it feels like out. they'd be free to be profiled totally but they like don't. it's like what's you know uh x person doing during the the strike yeah uh could be you know 
they're mostly hanging out at like the U.S. Open and in Dime Square in New York. Okay. Sort of like infringing on my turf, I would say. Yeah, you know, right. Like, every year I get invited to like um like some brand is like, oh, we just need somebody to come from New York Magazine and like Instagram from the Grey Goose Vodka Box of the U.S. Open. So I normally get to go, but this year jam packed with people who matter. And I couldn't go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of famous faces at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Wish I was there. Yeah, um, the I want to keep pumping you up because you you don't just do these profiles. You also famously wrote, coined the term "big dick energy" in the "big dick energy" <laughs> piece about Pete Davidson. Right. You finally that? put a name to the vibe shift. <laughs> These are big uh, I, I hot, loved, hot buttons. I loved the babe.net piece that you did. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Where you went in, people should find this. You went in and basically the the company was in such a dire state that they had scripted like a fake <laughs> yeah. pitch meeting for you to sit in on because they knew they were being profiled. And so people like rehearsed like what their ideas would be for articles they yeah. were going to write and stuff. And you didn't learn this until later um, when they completely collapsed. And you were like, <laughs> what? Well, what did I watch then? <laughs> no, um, that was a bad, that was, I felt duped. It, it was, was really, badass. that was really interesting to me. So yes, you've done all that. And of course you have a uh, big, uh, cover uh magazine cover story that just came out um with a photo that's arguably in bad taste <laughs> and uh and it's about how you can't be friends with people who have kids anymore it's a question and not as a someone statement. who's married to <laughs> one of your uh close friends who has kids let me just say i don't blame you <laughs> Well, see how I live in New York, you live in L.A., so it's easy to stay close friends with, with people with kids in that case. As close a, as it would be anyway. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, we did do you the favor of moving. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, there's all of that. And you are a not just a journalist. You are a screenwriter in your own right. That's true, And yes. you've developed TV shows. And you worked on Fleischman's in Trouble. Yep. Uh, with one of the leads of this movie, Mr. Jesse Eisenberg. That's true. He's very nice, I uh, have to say. That, that's good to hear. <laughs> um, not what I would guess. Uh, I guess I was to say, he was very nice to me for the 15 seconds I talked to him on set. I like him because I've seen interviews where he seems a little bit prickly, and I go, oh, I think this is how I come across, too. <laughs> so, Actually, I, yeah. so I connect to that. Um <laughs> And then, well, you tell me, what are your, some of your other credits? You wrote for... Um, yeah, I mean, th this is what we're striking about, I suppose. I've been locked we, in a lot of... Many, many rooms, rooms that didn't become shows. Yeah, so yeah. I've had like a... I have a pretty strong resume and like one credit because of that. Yes. But the show that I was on right when, when the strike hap uh, started was um, season two of Tell Me Lies on Hulu. Watched it. Watched season one. Right? Can't wait for season yeah, two. Yeah, season two is... It's gonna be great. Okay, you know. great. All right, so um, so we'll 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 cover some of that too. Um, so this movie's the end of the tour. It is about uh David Lipsky um doing a profile on David Foster Wallace. Uh, and it was as David Foster Wallace was doing a book tour for, uh, the novel Infinite Jest. A playwright named Donald Margulies read the book that Lipsky wrote about the um about the sort of extended he was initially profiling for a rolling stone piece and then upon the death of david foster wallace uh he kind of went back through all his tapes and made it into a longer book and then that book got made into this movie 
So do you have like a David Foster Wallace take? Like, do you have an opinion uh, on him? I mean, I know obviously the cliche is that like every annoying guy says that Infinite Jest is their favorite book yeah. or like has it. Yeah, it's very and I'll and I'll say it and I'll own this. Both the leads and the subject matter. It's a very white guy movie. Yeah, Sean, it is. And so I am a little bit like, hi, what am I doing here today? <laughs> but, but I know, know, I know. Listen, I'm in media, I'm in media and in television. Like I'm used to just like white guys talking. It's uh, yeah, I'm used to it. So here well, we go. you'll have certainly a different perspective than I do, which I'm like, this is about me. <laughs> <laughs> which look, guys, the way I like to feel. Um, so, so I, but I am curious because also. You're smart. You're a writer. Have you have you read David Foster Wallace? Do you have like an opinion on his stuff? Yeah. So I uh, tried to you remember that one summer there was like the summer of jest where some blogger or like had a WordPress and was like, let's all read Infinite Jest together. Okay. And I hadn't done it. I lied to a lot of people on dates that I had done it and like nodded along oh, wow. to lots of men, white men mostly, sort of talking about it at me. But I hadn't really engaged. I've read his essays and I, I think that like one of the, the things Obviously, like, all writers have their stack of essays or articles or even novels where they go back and say, like, this was inspiring or I wanted to write like this. Obviously, like everyone else's cruise ship essay, uh, a supposedly, a supposedly fun, fun thing, thing I'll, I'll never, never do, do again, again, yeah, is one of the things where I was like, oh, this is just like a way I can write that I never would have thought of when I was younger right. and has shaped a lot of things. Like I do a lot of first person like. Yeah, I've done two cruise ship stories, actually, <laughs> and and both of those were sort of thinking of him the whole time. So as a sort of journalist, I'm more interested in him than as a novelist. Yeah, um, the book the book that I got the most through probably was like the essay collection. I think that that was one of them. Yeah. And then like, so um, I wish I read Infinite Jest like around when it came out or even 10 years later. Yeah. People have told me like, I can't believe you haven't read it because it's about like a young tennis hopeful which I was, and it's about like addiction, which right. like was also my experience. So, so much of the like core subject matter against which his ideas are sort of, you know, um, backgrounded are, uh, are things that I would connect to anyway. And it's like, I'm nothing if not an annoying, clever white guy. <laughs> so it's like, I should, I should have read it, but I didn't. And then I have gone and like tried yeah. to read it since and I do I have this strong feeling that I would have been so fucking into it you know and 10 it, years ago but now it's like it's a thousand pages I have kids yeah. there's a lot of footnotes I really struggle with footnotes <laughs> like know. and so I so I just can't quite do it but I have respect for it yes but then I got into some of I got a thing of short stories of his and I got a collection of like his essays and articles and I have the same feeling every time I read any of them which is three pages in I go this is the best smartest fucking yeah. thing I've ever written this guy is a total genius he's talking about this thing that I have thought about but never in this way this is amazing and seven pages later, I think, I can't believe there are eight pages left. And, and, <laughs> and, and I don't think I'm going to finish this. Even the short ones. The short ones, okay. But a lot, like he wrote one about like playing tennis, like a famous thing about like yeah. playing tennis growing up that I was like, 
early into it, I was like, God, this is fucking awesome. And then I like was like, don't think I'm going to finish it. David Lynch one, I was like so in on. And then I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the short stories too. And it's just like something about, and I think it's captured in this movie in some ways is that this guy is brilliant. He has a set of obsessions. Right. And he explores them like in such granular detail, uh, like and from every possible perspective in these ways where it's like. It can be exhausting, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. it can wear you out. Yeah. Um, so uh, big respect. And actually this movie and pro like this guy's like interview, I should probably read the book, too, is how I would like to enjoy David Foster Wallace's ideas, because I like this is water. Right. Do you like this is water? I like this is water, but I will say about it is the, water. It is water. <laughs> <laughs> it's water. Um, I will say about the the book version of this movie. It's you know it's it's transcripts. It's collected transcripts. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I found that impossible to read because like I don't need the interviewer sort of like uh, um yes is interjecting like none of that's really edited out. So you're As someone just... who puts yourself in all your articles. Oh, hey, <laughs> here's what I said. <laughs> I'm more of an omnipresence okay. versus an active participant. All right, Thank you. I'll have to read back through. <laughs> um, I I found reading transcripts. It was just like this is I I can't. I've definitely had that with things I've read like that. But yeah. I also do like. I find it so easy to read like oral histories of things where it is just like it's just dialogue. Yeah. It's like how That's I true. want my scripts to be. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. read all that. I don't even know like what the room looked like. Right. Just like, want, what are they what? saying? You got to get the, the context. I'm skipping that stuff. No, I mean, you have to do it, yeah. but I don't like to do it. Um, so, all right. So that uh, basically covers that. Let's go. <laughs> let's go into the movie. So it opens on David Lipsky getting a call that David Foster Wallace has killed himself. And he goes back to listen to his old tapes of the interviews. He's so like shocked to hear this. This made me have a question for you, which is, do you save recordings or correspondence that you have with your subjects? Like, do you record on a, you know, on, a, on your phone or whatever when you're talking to these people? And do you keep those recordings? Like, because this is at the time that he gets this phone call, it's been 12 years right. since he did the story. So, like, do you have, like, 12-year-old recordings of people that you talk to? Yeah, I mean, I've only been at this for, oh, yeah, I guess 10 years. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I do. I record everything on a digital tape recorder and my phone because I'm. there has been snafus before where the tape recorder doesn't work or, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. got to have backup. Mm -hmm. But everything is phone saved to a uh, phone battery. Someone calls. Bejeweled too much. That's yeah. the worst. Oh, yeah. During um, an interview with, oh, my gosh, Marissa from the OC. What's the actress's name? Why am I blanking? Okay. Uh, yes, yep, yes, yep, yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. Marissa no, from the uh, OC. She is She's named. Was in the sixth no, 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 that's, no. From the no, OC. No, that's the what gossip the girl. <laughs> Are you Blair talking Waldorf. about? Blair Waldorf. Do not no, be rude. Although she didn't, she's oh, married Marissa? to Adam Brody, uh, who was dating some, Misha some, Barton. Misha Barton. Misha Barton. We got there on our own without any help. So it's Misha Barton. Misha Barton. And I was we were in, I was interviewing her at a car museum and she finally started opening up about like what it was like to be on set and sort of like the like the feeling trapped by the character. 
and my friggin' mother called, and I had forgotten to put my phone on airplane mode, and the recording stopped, and I hadn't noticed. Oh, no. And so after that, I was like, it's it's double time all the time. Anyway, so oh, I wow. do have all of my recordings. Some of that is for, like, legal purposes. So did you not have what Misha Barton said at the car museum? <laughs> I did. Don't worry. <laughs> it was all... Don't tell me you paraphrase Misha Barton at the car museum. (laughs) No, I had backup. It's all safe. Uh, We're all good. Mm -hmm. Promise. I think I I got the important part on tape and then the rest of it was sort of the filler. It's all important. But yes, I have all of my recordings. I'll never listen to them because the sound of your own voice is terrible. You got like in the show, have you ever watched TV show Bosch? No. So in Bosch, they have a, they have a, he has a sign in the Hollywood homicide, like uh, in bullpen that says everyone matters or no one matters. So it's oh, like, nice. you know, even if like somebody who's, if a, a person who is on the bottom rung society has been killed, you investigate it the same way you would if like a head of state was. Oh, and so for you, I think you should have the same side. So it's like whether it's Misha Barton in the car museum <laughs> or whether it's Meghan Markle in Montecito. <laughs> All the Everyone matters or Everyone no matters. one matters. Exactly. We're all on the same hard drive, guys. <laughs> um, do you save things in general, like abandoned sort of like unfinished ideas? Or do you like hang on to that? Are you somebody who like collects all this stuff? It sounds like you save all the recordings. I so. save all the recordings. I save all of my notebooks, my reporter's yeah. notebooks. Everything. Everything. Okay. Cool. I save all like the, you know, typed, oh, sorry, typed up transcripts and like the slush, the notes from the day. Like I have it all. It's all. Do you go back to it like David Lipsky and go like, Never. maybe this is a book. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of those are books, but. Well, uh, I don't, I don't wish this on This is a lawsuit but... one day. I want it all there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you do a Lord protector, but Misha Barton dies in some fantastical oh. way. and. Uh. <laughs> and you do an end of the tour just about you and her at the car. The car just have <laughs> becomes a movie like this, just the two of you. Actually, it was it the Peterson beautiful... Automotive? Yes, it was the Peterson oh, yeah, Automotive. Great. It was a beautiful day. There's like, yeah, all the James Bond cars are behind you. <laughs> so... <laughs> We're actually in the children's coloring room. It was lovely. What are the cities in the OC? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know Newport Beach. Um, so anyway, he gets the call. We flash back to 12 years ago. Lipsky is doing a very uh, lukewarm reading Oof. of his own book. Empty on um, plastic chairs. You've done a reading like this? I've never done. Well, the reading Have I did done was, a reading? Yeah. I've done a reading and it was, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but it was a small space, but it was crowded. You packed it in? Uh, yeah. The part of this <laughs> that I like is like, so he leaves after doing the reading and, um, there's a friend of his, like a coworker, who goes like, hey, how was the reading? I'm sorry I missed it. And he's like, it's okay. <laughs> and it's like, there weren't enough people there. And I do, I obviously complain. Hayes and I, uh, I do a podcast with my friend Hayes. Oh, um, we do these live <laughs> shows and we always complain that like not enough people buy tickets. But you know, last one we sold like 75 tickets, which in a 200 person theater feels small. But seeing him... Seeing him interact with that guy does remind me of when I was at UCB in New York and we would like put up like a sketch show, like a two person sketch show. And there would be not 75 people, but seven to five. (laughs) (laughs) Start with seven, five by the end. And and you just be like, oh shit. (laughs) Um, And it really reminded me because I do remember I would see, you know, because everyone was always putting up a show there and you'd walk in to do your like, improv show that night and see all your friends they go like oh sorry i didn't make it to that thing you know <laughs> somebody else would be like oh it's you know don't apologize you know be like, but inwardly, and you'd be like mad 
really mad that no one came. Um, so I connected to that feeling. So uh, then uh, we have the awareness for Lipsky of David Foster Wallace. And I really, really like the way this is portrayed, which is the first time you see him know of this author is just being furious about the critical <laughs> reaction to his work. Yes. So it's someone he has not read, has never met, and is just reading this review and is like, can you fucking believe this bullshit <laughs> yeah. about like the praise? And then his girlfriend, who seems nice, is like, maybe you should read it. It's like, yeah. like, maybe it sounds like it might be really good. <laughs> yeah. um, do you do this? Do you instinctively reject things that are made by like peers or strangers Oof. that like get a reaction that you're jealous of? Well, writers are pricks. I just really have to yeah. like, I have to own that these days. Like we're all just big flopping pricks. But I yeah, I'm a pretty competitive person. And mm -hmm. so like when a peer that I even one that I have no real opinion of gets like a great review or good praise or like sells a book or sells a screenplay, I'm just like, mm. Yeah. Mm. Totally. I, I talk about this a lot on the you. show, but like yeah. it's like you more the more you like know people and it's like somebody you've hung out and you just sort of feel like whatever, you're on the same footing yeah. at least and then they just have something blow up. Ugh. And you haven't watched the show yet or whatever, but it's just getting raves and it's at the top of all these lists and you're just like <laughs> really? Fucking and then you watch it and are only thinking about the things that you don't like, like <laughs> you're just, just going like, did they, nobody noticed this part doesn't work. <laughs> um, and that's what I do anyway. It yeah. makes it very hard to enjoy things. Um, Even when you know, you can be so empathetic. Like, you know that that probably wasn't their fault. The thing that you don't like was like an editor was like a, was a, a trick of production. Like, it's not their fault. Yeah. But I'm still like, haha, it proves that maybe they're talentless hacks underneath it all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's also like, just, it makes it, being in the world of creating things makes it harder to enjoy things that are 100%. created. And like, I remember um, I had written up a pilot and it was like right after I'd split up from my writing partner and I like sat down and wrote this thing. And I thought at the time I was obsessed with the show Banshee on Cinemax. And I was like, <laughs> I love this show. It's so cool. I love all the action in it. I wish that there was a version of this, like a half hour funny version of like this kind of like, you know, because in between the great action sequences, it was just like the guy sitting in a barn being like, what have I become? And I was like, I don't know if I need this much of this. So I was like, what if they were being funny in it? And I wrote a pilot and I got like a production company attached and I got this director attached who I really liked. And we were like ready to go out and pitch it to the town. And I was like, wow, you know, like fuck my old writing partner. Who's a good friend. <laughs> like I'm going to go sell this show and like make my own thing. And it was effectively a half hour show about like a, a hitman, an assassin who oh. was like trying to transition into a different part of his life. Oh, so sad. And then just Barry becomes like, yeah. The coolest fucking thing on the, the most planet. Brilliant, and the most like, insightful. And by the way, it's good, but I hate, I was like so <laughs> fucking mad. And yeah. I, and also I was like, I would have loved this show. Yeah, but you can't love but it. But I can't enjoy it at all. And like, I watched the pilot and was like, this sucks. And then I went back later and watched the rest of, you know, that scene it was like, no, it's good. I just like, yeah. but I'll never... I will never really be able to enjoy it. I will never be able to experience it without it being this thing that is 
almost certainly better than what I would have made. <laughs> and, 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 At least you can admit you know, it. You know. uh, but like that is is just like in the way of me doing something. Um, yeah. And that it's happened to me a, a few times where like you finish something and then there's like something similar and it's and when it's good and people like it you're just like oh uh, well, um but also it's fuel for the fire right like sometimes when my my coworkers at the magazine when they publish something that's like a fucking banger and they get like hollywood knocking at their door i take a minute and i'm like i'm gonna hate you privately and i'm gonna resent you pettily mm -hmm. in my head but then it's like okay i'm just gonna try and i'm gonna try and um one up you I'm trying yeah. to best you now, and I have new career goals. It's wonderful. You just got to turn it into a positive shot. You're almost motivated by the haters in a way. I am. I'm like Coco Goff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, then he bullies his editor and letting him profile David Foster Wallace. Have you ever talked to your boss like this? I have to say, I mean, the way that I talk to my boss is, I love you, Genevieve, uh, <laughs> but like it can get pretty gnarly. Uh, that scene pissed me off so much because here comes this Jesse Eisenberg as journalist character saying, I don't want to write 500 word pieces about boy bands anymore. This Give is what I was curious. Do you disparage the publication of your own work that you're doing, even if you are? <laughs> no. Like, that was weird to me. Yes. Like, I'm better than the thing that like, you're asking me to do. We haven't profiled a writer like this guy's important. This is special. We should do this. I get. But it is going yeah. to be like. Everything else I've done sucks. I'm shitting on it so yes. hard. Yeah, that drove me crazy. Um, and and the other thing is with doing this, and I don't know if you feel this because I, obviously I don't know. Well, I, I'm curious to know about like story assignments and how that works. Like yeah. how much is it you're getting you're getting sent things or how much is it you going and being like, I want to do this? Um, yeah, it's about 50-50. I, I used to you know, when I was younger and no one really trusted me, I would have to pitch sort of less asshole-ish way, mm -hmm. but the same way where I was like, I have the story I'm really excited about. Let me make a case for it. And my editor would take it to like all of the other editors and they would talk about it and assign it. And sometimes those assignments would go to somebody else, which probably would have happened to Jesse Eisenberg's character, to be honest, the way he presented it. Yeah. Or, but now that people might, they know me on staff and they trust me and they sort of know my beats and what I'm good at, I get assignments thrown to me a lot more, which is great because sometimes you don't have ideas and you're just like grasping at straws and someone brings you a menu of things to choose from, which is yeah. nice. Um, yeah, but, that would be nice. Yeah. But the process is like way less sexy. It's every week there's an ideas meeting and there's a list of ideas and the editors go into a room and talk about them and then come out and say like, yes, no, yes, no. Okay. Uh, but I, Wired, when I did it, there was a mathematical sort of... Um, like an algorithm, like an algorithm. That told you like what would be a valuable story for you? <laughs> More or less, like like if it was an eight, we assign it. If it was a six, based on like all of the votes, then it was like not. We wouldn't even bother unless it was a great writer. And if it wasn't a great writer, can it? Well, this is a this is another interesting thing about this to me. So, from my own experience, I don't go and pitch stories like this or like ask my editor to let me do something. But when I'm working in a room, sometimes you do like see something a certain way and it's very scary to do what he's doing this going like this is a story yeah because it's like sometimes it'll be like i'm just like no it has to be this way like this is the only way it's funny or like this is the only way it, whatever it's it's a satisfying twist or something like that and it's like you have to be right yeah like <laughs> you only as at any field i guess like uh but doing this it's like you have so much equity yeah. And if you do this and you're right, you put a little more in the bank. 
But if you do it and you're wrong, oh. you're at zero. You're right. Like happens. then you then the next time you can't fight for the thing that you want because it's yeah. like, well, you were the fucking idiot who wanted to do this. I mean, that's why I had to leave L. Frankly, I whipped a story I pitched so bad that they would never let me do anything again. And I was like, I have to get a new job. Like I'm just I'm literally writing fashion credit captions for the rest of my life if I stay here. So. Yeah, I've dug my heels in on a certain version of something and just had it like, you know, go to table yeah. and like table read is just like, <laughs> okay, well, uh, <laughs> we're going to be reworking that area. Um, and so, you know, you just, you don't know until you see it sometimes. It's true. It's true. Um, he gets the assignment, uh, calls up David Foster Wallace, says uh, David Foster Wallace semi-jokingly says, can you lose my number? <laughs> This whole section, I'll even go up through like, so then he walks into uh, DFW's house and he's like offering him a glass of water and there are dogs around. This was really interesting to me. I wanted your perspective on it of like, you are going into someone else's space. And I wondered if you thought they did a good job capturing the dynamic. I mean, David Foster Wallace being a unique individual as well. There's a weird thing where it's like, he's sort of hosting. Yeah. But it's... But it's like you're you're profiling me like you're like you're here to spy on me, but I'm also like welcoming you into my home. But yeah. it's also transactional. And there's just a lot of layers to that uh, dynamic. And I wondered, like, if you had any memories of somebody being specifically cagey or specifically warm uh, and or if you felt like the movie like got this right. The one thing I found interesting about the movie is how they I mean, I know it's movies. So they have to sort of externalize what what is going on but like how they just talked about how weird the dynamic was like right away i feel like they, they pretty quickly got into the, like this is a, a but profile. that feels to me like or you read the book i guess or yeah. tried to um that feels so much of like what he is like that's, that's why he's a unique subject that he can't stop analyzing the thing he's participating in yeah. especially because it is like publicity for himself and his own work and, and like creating anyway. the image of himself but having being someone who is basically like at that time like the foremost expert on like what image means yeah. and how it is packaged for consumption by people in things like rolling stone like that it was a very uh fraught experience for him in a way that it wouldn't be for almost any other you know I interview subject true. That it was specifically his brain that was like, I must address this. Where everyone else, I feel like when I go into interviews, we all know how fake it is. But we're just going to like go through the motions of like, this is a normal day with a normal person entering my home. And there's little cracks. Like when I went to Emily Henry's house, you know, she was very like Midwestern gracious, let me in, offered me coffee, was making the espresso. And then she was like my trash can smells. Please don't put it in my trash can smells. And I was like, I don't know. It's like your kitchen. Like, yes, yeah. but it's fine. It's like fine. So it's like, um, I guess it's like, host, it feels like when you're hosting your in-laws for the first time or something, you're just like on a heightened awareness and like best behavior. Yeah. You like want to impress, but you don't want to seem like you're trying to yeah. impress. And this is like a theme all throughout that he, because even at towards the very end, he says like, I'm fine appearing in Rolling Stone. Yeah. I do not want to appear in Rolling Stone as someone who wants to appear in Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah. And that, I feel like that is like every, you know, most of the people you interview probably are going like, 
I want to do it, but right. I don't want to seem like I want to right. do it. And, and I like, really I want to impress you, but I don't want to seem like I want to impress you. Yeah. Um, it's all just don't perceive me, please. I don't want to be perceived. I just want to be here. You know, it's. Um, uh, yes. And so then he asks to record. Speaking of don't perceive me, oh, he asks if he can record. He records him. He was so aggressive about that. I just a little tip is that no journalist is ever like, we're fucking doing this now, yeah, man. Like it's a ready. real it's a much more subtle, oh, I'm just gonna start this little dainty thing. That's for the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, um correction. <laughs> and then immediately they like do it, and then immediately Foster Wallace like has him stop it. Yeah. He goes like, Anything I tell you, like you can't put that in. I need to know that you're gonna like honor it and not put it in. And he's like, Yeah, totally. Do you have these conversations with people? Like, is yeah. that right? And yeah, you've had people be like, ask you to go off record or stop recording or said something and then been like, you have to take that out. Like, I've had people say, like, can we go off the record? I've definitely had people say, like, can you please stop the recorder so we can sort of negotiate how this goes? Yeah. Which sometimes I find more interesting because then it, when it becomes a collaboration, there are moments in these interviews, and this is all in the movie too, where like, I've got to ask questions that they don't want to answer yeah i've got to address controversy they don't want to deal with and so when we stop tape and my editors would tell me my gq editors especially would tell me never to do this but when you when you negotiate it becomes a collaboration and then you become real people to each other and not adversaries and so i think you can get in deeper and get a more honest answer that way yeah it's got to be better for you because otherwise they're going to hedge by giving like the least revealing version they can where they know they're safe Versus getting into a conversation about like, here's here's exactly how much yeah. I am willing to reveal and how do you want to frame that so that it like satisfies what you need for your story. Exactly, but protects um, me. Because otherwise they'll just be like, I don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, so or that- they'll get your, their publicist on your ass later. Which, that yeah. is interesting. Um, so then he goes to watch Dude Teach. Um, Loved that scene. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, huh? it's good fly on the wall stuff. My favorite. You ever teach? Oh, no, I can't public speak. This doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Going to have Julia later. She teaches. Oh, that's the other friend. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're not the only friend. Okay. <laughs> um, so then we have the first like real interview scene at the diner. And then, as you said, it actually becomes a deconstruction of what an interview is. Yeah. Where it's like interesting to me in a way because like, again, because David Foster Wallace is the subject and because he can't not deconstruct everything. So it's like the interview he's doing becomes like a version of him doing an interview of something, you know, like so much more than an actual just straight up like him answering a question. And then I did like this moment where Jesse Eisenberg has to say that he's a writer too and he kind of wants to talk about it. I thought the performance was very good by him here. He like doesn't want to talk about it. Like he's like embarrassed to say it because he wants to be like, I'm your peer. Right. But he knows that he's not. Certainly not. Um, and he's like sort of ashamed, but also like, yeah, I'm a writer too. I don't just do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you ever feel like, because obviously you are now like uh, doing more screenwriting stuff and everything and you've, you've profiled like Hollywood people. Do you feel like the context that you meet people in kind of cements you for them? Like because of this, or my takeaway from this, like because Lipsky meets David Foster Wallace this way, he's never going to be able to meet him as a peer. Right. 
You know, because it's like, well, you're the guy who got sent to profile me because I'm a big deal. Not that his <laughs> ego is like that, but just like, that is how we met. And so do you feel that way ever? Are there ever people like that you would want to collaborate with, but you don't know how they see you because maybe you uh, met them initially through like doing a magazine piece. On yeah, them. absolutely. I feel like, like Lena Dunham was the most interesting case because I always respected her work, but we were also sort of like, I mean, clearly she's like up here and I'm just a ma- I'm just the David Lipsy here. But like uh, when we met. No, no, you're more famous than Lena Dunham. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> this might be my joke I have to do every day. <laughs> Anybody does something like that? <laughs> no, come on. But, but when we met, you know, she had read my stuff and, and, and like we had, it was just like a little bit like, the narcissism of small differences. Like we had a lot of people in common and like, you know, two le- steps this way, I could have been like her and two steps that way, she could have been trapped at New York Magazine profiling her, you know, like yeah. it. Um, and so afterwards, after it was published, we talked, we kept in touch and she was like, if you ever want me to read book chapters or if you like ever want me to read anything, oh, wow. like I think you're a great writer and I feel like, you know, and I, I, we talked once about one pilot and I just felt so like, I can't ever be your pe- like this is it's it was too weird. We I think we both felt that it was too weird. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well you yeah, it's a tough position. It feels like it's just very weird to kind of make that transition yeah. into like trying to talk about like, like you know, insane. advance your professional yeah. standing through this person. It just like you're like asking for a favor yeah. and you're also, uh, yeah, feel, I don't know. There's like a little bit of that, like imposter syndrome thing that happens in yeah. that, and in she's that so scenario. But I felt yeah. like I couldn't, I, it was never her. It was me being like, I just can't, I can't do this. It's too weird. I, I don't want to always reference the very same one famous person that I interact with uh, somewhat now, but I did meet a certain celebrity when I was helping out writing doing like punch up on a script for a commercial for them. Mm. And you're like, want to help and do a good job, but you want them to know also like, I'm not just, I'm not like a commercial person. Like I do (laughs) like TV and you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and they were really nice and, and, um, liked my work. And then at one point in that initial exchange, we're like, you know, this, you know, this has been like parts of this have been difficult and maybe you and I could do something together where we had like more creative control from the beginning. And I was like, oh my God, that would be amazing. And they were like, yeah, I don't know like what the commercial would be. Or I was just like, oh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, or if it was something, I mean, I don't even know what you do. And I was like, yeah, I do. And then you got, and then you're in this spot where you're like, I do like, I also, uh, also, I've worked on different shows and like, actually like, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like you, but I'm not like you, but (laughs) it's like such a bad spot. The hedging so fucking uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like needing to meet. And we've talked, I've talked about this before too, but like that feeling like, wanting people to understand what you do, wanting to impress them, not wanting to feel like you are selling yourself or like trying to sound impressive. Um, It's like a truly fucking miserable place to be. So then uh, they go and buy snacks on the expense account. It's just two dudes in a car telling each other they're good looking. (laughs) This is real friendship. Um, 
This is how dudes talk to each other, right? This is my, my new fantasy that all dudes are just in cars saying, you look good. You're pretty photogenic. Oh, you're good a good-looking guy. You're a good-looking guy. <laughs> um, uh, it, it happens. Um, so then I, I wanted to ask, do you get like a business expense for your profiles? I do you do. like buy buy things on a card for the people? I do. Well, I, is there a weird my... negotiation like there is in this movie where like every time it's like I'll get it, Ugh. it's like no, I I can get it. Well, that was the funny that that I'm sure we'll get to the, the weird power dynamics at play in this yes. one with the male ego, which I'm like anyway. But uh, yes, again, I get I haven't I'm allowed to charge things. I don't have a card. I have a Concur, which is an app, so I pay for it myself and uh -huh. I scan the receipts in and nice. I get reimbursed. And also ethically, I just say I can't really accept payment. Like I can't accept money or anything from you, so I'm just paying for everything. Involved. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Me. Journalism. Uh, ethics. <laughs> um, is there anything better than a perk? <laughs> Even if it's just like, ooh, I get to charge this Jimmy John's while I'm in the airport in Cincinnati. It's a perk, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff you don't want at all. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, great. Rubber tea. Lotion I'll throw out in six months. <laughs> Free. So DFW goes into a DFW take on Twizzlers. Like, <laughs> He's just like going into his whole like meta exploration of snack foods. And it made me think that he is literary bro, Larry David. Good, good. <laughs> so like when I was on Curb, I was like hanging out on set and Larry David's walking around and he's being Larry David all the time. And there's like a moment where like he had a cough drop in and they were about to call action. They were like, okay, everybody's got to get set up. And he went and he was like, takes his cough drop. And he's like, is it littering if you throw a cough drop in the bushes? Like, it's going to dissolve. Is that littering? Can you throw a cough? Does you have to throw it in the tread? Just starts going on this whole thing. And it was like, truly seemed to be occurring to him in the moment. Like, it's going to dissolve. That's not littering, is it? Like, and it's just like, and I was like, oh, this dude is always like this. And I feel like this is what this moment in the car is telling you. Like, right. this guy can't stop doing this. He's always like, this he's guy. eating Twizzlers and it's like, he is cursed with like his brain won't stop coming up with these like weird takes on everything. Yeah. Um, so that's all. It's just he's literary bro Larry David. And that's my <laughs> that's my smart thought for the day. Do you have a like a little thing that pops up? Smart thought. For smart the day? thought. No, uh, I, mean, I want to think about that. I got to get one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I liked this moment where he tries to define what his book is about and then doesn't like the way he's answering. Yeah. And I wondered if you get questions like this obviously my podcast is undefinable um uh, uh this one's not it's about movies but the the thing where people maybe your parents friends or them go like what kind of stuff do you write right that one it's sucks like, <laughs> stuff all kinds of stuff i'm a generalist <laughs> what do you want there's <laughs> some stuff i have written there's other stuff i want to write <laughs> <laughs> now it's getting existential or the worst is sometimes people will try to really like meet you where you're at as a writer. And they're like, well, what are you working on now? Even my nine-year-old niece has sort of learned to ask this question. And I'm like, who taught you this evil skill? She'll we'll be walking when I'm babysitting her and she goes, so what are you working on now? And I say, oh, it's a story about this. And she goes, does it have a thesis? And I'm like, you don't even know what that means. I know what they're teaching you in third grade. You're not at thesis yet. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a horrible question to ask someone. What's does the take? Yeah, yeah, what's your angle? What's yeah. the take? I don't know until it's oh, it the night before the day. Give me the log line. <laughs> yeah. My four-year-old asking for the log line. Oh, has, has he learned yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to teach him to say, give me the log line. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can't tell me your idea in five words or less. It's not a movie. Sorry, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> what's the elevator pitch? Um, so then uh, we have dude explaining what jacking off is. Yep. That was You're great. You're playing a movie in your head. It's uh... like, well, yeah. <laughs> See, that's how I know like too many men were involved in this movie. We just like didn't, it didn't, we don't need it. Yeah. I know it's like half it, maybe. Well, this is something I want to talk about. We could talk about it here. How do you think the movie feels about his horniness? Because <laughs> it is so really prevalent. And I was going to bring it up in the hotel lobby scene when he's checking in and they yeah. go like, you've got a room with two it's... twins. And he goes like Consuela. And, uh, and I'm oh. like, and I'm like, how, how do you want, me to feel about this joke that he makes and how do you is it like the reception is up tight i don't feel that way right. like i feel weird about you do, am i supposed to think he's funny or is it like this guy this brilliant guy who everyone worshipped was like kind of a corny hornball a little bit too like and and it's like just supposed to humanize him and be a flaw i couldn't totally tell did you i think because it was so consistent like he was horny for uh jerking off. He was horny for Alanis Morissette eating yeah. a bologna sandwich. Like every sin single thing was sort of this unfulfilled, like yawning horniness. Yeah. But it made me think it was supposed to humanize him, but also like knock him down a peg as a genius. Like at, at the heart of this genius yeah. is this like lonely television addicted horny man. And it yes. was like, I didn't want him to be, I knew, I know he's, he was tortured, but like, that was just like, sad to the point of I want to look away, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, a larger idea in the movie that they get really into later is like, obviously it's being, you're seeing him certainly initially through Lipsky's eyes where it's right. like, this guy has what I want. Like, this is my dream. And like, and he's miserable. Like, he's like, he's he's unhappy he's unfulfilled like yeah. it's not it's not that satisfying to have the thing that you think you want that's not it doesn't have the value you think it has it won't you know fix you to like get a good review um and i thought that was uh, i i thought that was explored well you don't think so i, I, I think it What's, was no I, I i'm curious i think well you know i think i'm a little i like read too much about the movie before uh -huh. and and i just remember that um David Foster Wallace is like his wife and like his sister and his estate in general sort of denounced the movie's portrayal of him after it came out. Yeah. They're like, this is just, we don't, we don't sign off on this. And I feel like it's because the movie ultimately wasn't like really about David Foster Wallace. It was about this, this writer. About this, like, this, guy this guy witnessing him. Yeah. yeah. And so I couldn't tell what that, what that portrayal was in service of. Was it sort of like in propping up the David Lipsy character? Was it teaching him a lesson? Was it like... I don't know. I just like to me, it didn't feel fair in a way because it was about, and this is the problem with profiles in general. Like yeah. it, it stops being about the subject and it's more about, I guess, wait, the object, the well, person's being profiled. It's seeing yeah. a photo of yourself and going, that's not what I look like. Right. And it's exactly. like, well, it is what you look like in this moment, to but me. you look many ways. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so this, so I want to talk about though, in this scene, he talks about, what jacking off is and then he ties it into corporations and right. a quote i like which was who do not love us but want our money <laughs> yeah. 
And then he says they're basically they're they're trying to force feed us content until we live in like a VR world with no human connection. Um, Strike coded much? Yeah, I was thinking Netflix much. Uh, Netflix much? (laughs) Okay. This soothsayer. It's like an AI argument. It's an argument against letting AI write our shit. Like um, he is saying like they in the interest of making money will remove the humanity. He's saying you'll be in a pod where you only ingest content. And he's obviously against television too, in a way, although he loves it. But it is, it, it is something where it is like fucked up to look at where it's like, yeah, even though watching TV is not the same as connecting with a human, at least it has some of the elements you are experiencing something a human made. And when you take that away, like what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Which I've been saying my new take on this is like, if you're going to do it with AI, let's not do it. (laughs) Like, okay, fine. Like, I can't have my job anymore. Okay. Don't give it to AI. I'll, 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 it sucks. I'll figure something out, but don't have a robot do it. do it okay we can't get have a robot have a little nanobot that you can inject go ahead and fix my knee right. why are we doing this robot why are they writing poems? they don't need to write poems why they don't need to write hallmark movies they can don't you know do cle- it vacuum the floor why are they cost-cutting csi for me i didn't <laughs> i don't need that you can write greeting cards i'd say they could do that's fine <sighs> give them that and then he says and then he says when that is what happens, like when you are just ingesting content this way, you are going to die. Yeah. And then Edmund's like, well, I don't know what you're going to die. And he's like, in a very meaningful way, you are going to die. <laughs> I screenshot I liked that it. when I was watching it. That was like the, that's the thing. I, I screenshot for a good line. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Is that your wish I wrote it? That's my wish I wrote it. It was good. Yeah. Um. Then Eisenberg puts in a fucking fatty dip and has to spit it out. <laughs> that's so gross. You ever put a lip in? So relatable. I've tried a lip. You got it. Didn't like it. When I worked at, uh, I was a a janitor at at my own high school in the summers, and then uh, and then after I graduated and 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 flunked out of college, I went back and worked at my high school as a janitor briefly. Wrote a pilot about it. Nobody made it, but um, (laughs) but everybody fucking did dip and you had to do it and it was just like all day and you felt a little bit for me i felt a little bit i'll make it my own um i felt a little bit cool when i would be like spitting out tobacco in like the teacher's like faculty bathroom or something (laughs) be like fuck this i'm I'm so uh, punk rock much (laughs) um okay so uh so then we get into how David Foster Wallace doesn't own a TV. Right. There's a, you know, the first introduction of the idea of his TV addiction, um, which is like so interesting to me. Um, then he talks about wishing that he was married. Um, like not like wanting to start a relationship, just be like, I wish I was already married because I'm having success. <laughs> yeah. And I want oh. someone who's aligned with me um sad it was a sad moment i thought yeah it is uh and and feeling like the other thing that was to me is like feeling kind of like he can't be because he needs to be able to retreat so fully into his work and being like it's not fair to someone else for me to marry them because i know what it's like for me as a writer when i work 
do you think about this stuff oh, with relationships? God. Wow. That's, like, I, that should have been the email warning with this podcast. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, oh, you're just in the therapy mode, I see. No, 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 no. Yeah, I just, yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Because, like, you know, like I said, writers are pricks. I also, like, when I have yeah. to work on a draft or something, I'm like, I can't talk to anyone. I, like, go upstate sometimes and lock myself into a cabin. Like, I'm like a feral person ordering a lot of takeout and not showering. Yeah. And even my, my landlord had to come in the other day to, like, change some sort of tr- bug trap. And I was like, I can't talk to you. I'm writing. And she was like, didn't even need to talk to you. I'm just going to walk right past you silently. And you, yeah. <laughs> like, and I do think about that with intimate relationships where, like, people don't like it when you have to disappear for three weeks into yourself and be stinky, you know? Yeah, well, and there's another, there's a flip side to it, of course, for me as someone, uh, a wife guy with a family, <laughs> where I do sometimes go like, God, I would get so much done if I was lonely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Where it's like, I would, I would be writing so much, I feel oh. like, and I would be more productive. But some of, I guess, like, what you're seeing with David Foster Wallace is like, well, to what end? Yeah. Because like, He'd rather, I think, have the other thing maybe than the success. Like, it's like he's putting out something very valuable like that. You know, his writing is very meaningful to a lot of people and that and that's great. Um, But he's kind of miserable. And so it is like, where is the balance of I do sometimes feel like I could have gotten more done or like done something really great if I was spending less time with my family. (laughs) But like. You're so happy to have a family. Well, yes, yeah. that's very good. And then there is the side of just like, I am still a writer. And like, some day, like the other day, I'm like, I'm, you know, working. I'm not scabbing. I'm working on a script for myself, just like a spec script. And like, you know, Grace knocks on the door and is like, you want to go for a walk? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go for a walk. And the whole time we're walking, I'm in the script. Yeah. Like I'm solving, I'm figuring, she's talking and I'm just like, okay, if I move this here and then I got it. Just like <laughs> kind of like solving problems and just like, I can't, like, when I really get into yeah. something, it's like, my brain can't do anything else until it's done. Same. I have to, like, find a stopping point for it. And if I'm in between, it's just like, I don't exist. Yeah. Like, I'm not, not there. Um, and that sucks, too. Yeah. Um, well, so also, I thought it was an interesting idea. There's that narrative I think all writers tell themselves, which is like, I'm much better alone. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm the best writer alone. I actually just realized as you were saying that, that I am seeing somebody and I've broken up with them twice this summer. And both of those things were timed to deadlines. And then I come back out and I'm like, just kidding. <laughs> we're great. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I should say, too, that Grace, uh, in the way that he's talking about wishing he had someone like who was aligned with him, she is very helpful to me. Yeah. And I can actually, without having any like competition of like, this is another per- creative person who like we both are, yeah. you know, doing the same thing. Um, I can just go like, hey, this is what I'm working on right now. This is like the place that I'm stuck or like this is, or just like, just someone to say it all out loud to. Yeah. And who sometimes will give me, yes, a great suggestion or something that then I never have to give any credit for because she's already living with me. We're both, I have to say, like we're both wife guys here because Grace is my wife too. We went to Barnard together. So we share a wife, the wife guy and she is the best. Our our supportive wife, Grace, is great to writers. Yeah, yeah. sometimes she, yeah, she'll be like, sometimes she, she gave me an idea for this thing and she went like, you need something like this. And I was like, 
yeah, well, I'm not going to do that. But like, yeah, but something like that could be good. And then I did exactly what she yeah. said. I was like, no, 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 that's exactly what it is. Um, uh, so yeah, and whatever, it's mine. Um, so then uh, whatever, we have the whole Lannis Morissette discussion More using funny. Rolling Stone as a public DM slide for a list. <laughs> have you ever um, tried to connect to someone? Has a subject ever used you to connect to someone? Like, uh, or have you felt like they were... Speaking about their fandom of someone so that it would go into print or anything like that. Oh, no, that's good. I actually haven't gotten that. But I I mean, they have, should, right? They should. Absolutely. I'd love to print it. But I definitely have slid into. I probably shouldn't even admit that. For a, I did a lesser profile of somebody and I thought we had a vibe. And later on, I slid into their DMs and was like, I'm using New York Magazine as an excuse to. Yeah, ask I was going to ask you to use the magazine contact for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't go anywhere, but didn't I didn't go. Thought we would have been a beautiful couple. So his loss. He fucked up. He fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> can can I get his info? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that bit is. Uh, so anyway, then he's Eisenberg is sleeping in the room with all of the books. <laughs> yeah. It's great because it's this guest room. He's got to sleep on the floor on his mattress. The dogs are coming. Like the house is kind of shitty in a yeah. way. And then there's also this thing of he is sitting in this monument to like what he hasn't achieved. Yep. Like it is just a room Towers. full of books. Like this dude sells <laughs> books. You don't. Yep, he and that's product. where he sleeps. And it's like being, being in the room of someone who's achieved all the things you want. And that's sad. But then there's this other layer to it where it's like, their life is not as good as you thought, right. which we've already kind of, but it's just like, but the room sucks. <laughs> yeah. And the fucking die, like, it's all like, you're just like, oh, this is what I want. And I'm like jealous that they have this and like, they're not enjoying it's it. Disgusting. So yeah. it's like, it's sad on two levels where it's like, I haven't done that. So I feel like a loser. And the thing that I want isn't satisfying. Right. So I, I feel even more hopeless but like, if I get it, it'll be different, you know. Never beat your heroes, right? Yeah, that's that's right. Horny for Atlantis more set than below. They're too horny. <laughs> I like the dogs. The dogs are really good. So, um, he gets out. He asks. This is just a good interview question. I think he asks, which is he asked David Foster Wallace when he started writing fiction, and like, when do you feel like you started writing, or like felt like you were going to be a writer, or became a writer, like when, like. Is is there a moment for you or do you have early memories of being like, this is my path or like, yeah, I've officially become this is my career or what? I feel like I started writing uh, when I was a kid and I wrote R.L. Stein fan fiction that I went back and read when I was home recently. And I was like, I should just adapt some of this into a full length novel. It's it work. quite good. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, but then I think like as a, I felt like I was a writer in journalism school, even though I ha did not have a job yet, I was like, oh, this is clicking. I know that I'm good at it because a school admitted me, but like now I understand that schools admit you for tuition dollars and they have mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, it's more of a capitalist thing than anything. But I think then because I was just like so immersed in it, I was like, yes, I am a writer. And then I started working and I was like, I am an assistant. And then it, <laughs> <laughs> so the journey started over again. Um, but I guess, yeah. It was those moments when I felt like defined by the work that I would call myself a writer versus like a paycheck thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I, I think like um, 
for me, I was I really had wanted to be a performer and I thought of myself as a performer, but then I had this whole sort of period where I had like flunked out of school and I was living at home and I was like, you know, working these odd jobs. And then I entered at one point um, Gateway Community College in Connecticut and I was in this, um, it was called the DARK program, Doug, Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation Counseling. So I was like, okay, well now I'm like, all I do is talk about sobriety and yeah. like addiction. And so like that was like at that, for that period, I was like, maybe this will be like a path for me. And I remember looking back later at like, I did have to write a paper about this. So I wrote a paper about like fucking Molly or something at one point. <laughs> and I, and the teacher who I liked, this was like, there was a, you know, had on my paper just underlined this whole paragraph mm. and then wrote in huge letters on the rest of the page, you are a writer <laughs> and like exclamation points. Oh, inspirational. And I really, and I, and I um, was like, this is nice. And then as I was like at UCB and I was, you know, performing and then started to do sketches and write my own sketches and they were getting, as I've said before, like, and as David Foster Wallace says, he's like, the only thing I ever got food pellets from the universe for yeah. was my writing. It was like, <laughs> I was getting way more food pellets from that than from my acting pursuit. Yeah. It would flash back to me, you know, like you are a writer. Yeah. <laughs> like This is like, it was like a curse she put on me. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what you need to do but um uh yeah you do i think whatever i remember having some of those little moments and then when i was doing it just to be like i'll write stuff for me to perform and then it was like no no, no, no. i'll just i'll write stuff right um and out here too you get a you know you get one job you get two jobs you take your third job that's your job that's now. your job that's your identity <laughs> um so then uh Whatever he's he he talks about some like um, bad jobs that he's had. David Foster Wallace, um, uh, which was kind of interesting. Do you ever have? Did you ever have any like uh, bad work jobs. a day? Yeah, just like camp counselor, but like yeah, at a drama camp that was very specifically bad for a lot of reasons. Right, 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 right. His kids are monsters. Uh, not the same as his like <laughs> security guard at the tech company. Job no, different kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, that he loved. Um. Some of those jobs I liked, but I was like, I couldn't like when I had like a, when I was cleaning cooling towers, I was like, I think it's cool that I do this. Like, it was like, <laughs> no pun intended. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, this is hard. Yeah. And yeah. I like that it's hard, but I wouldn't want to do it for a really long time. Right. Because ultimately um, we're soft. Because my boss told me at one point, like he was like, when I first brought you out here to see, like, just like have you try out for the job, I didn't think you would be able to do it. <laughs> But you're actually pretty good. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. Nice. Um, which I think is how I relate, how I take his talking about the job. Not that he still wants it, but that he liked that he could do it. <laughs> um, uh, so then Lipsky, um, you know, rem basically reminds David Foster Wallace of where he is in time by saying, like, you thought your life was over. You were on suicide watch that the food pellets from the universe had stopped and now you're on this tour because you're like this acclaimed person. Um, and David Foster Wallace says, this is nice. This is not real. Yeah. Did you like that? I did write that line down, yes. Another good one. I liked it too. Yeah. But there's a little bit of like a high horsey thing to it of like, I know what reality is. And something it made me think of is like, I... uh 
I talk to a lot of people who I think are smarter than me. Yeah. Like I deal with a lot of people who I think I'm like good at some of the like I know about the stuff that I know about and whatever. I'm in this world of like comedy and writing and television. I'm like whatever uh, good enough at this. But all of the people that I interact with also know that stuff and do that stuff. And then like, you know, somebody like Hayes, who like then goes into city politics, knows everything about city politics, just casually like, I like sports kind of. And then it's like he wrote like his thesis at Harvard on sabermetrics. It's like he just like in an effortless way understands all these other things and and he's just one example my friend dave king really funny really good writer but then also like but you feel like he like won math awards and stuff too you're just like what the fuck so i can do one thing yeah i can do (laughs) one thing and you can do it too yeah and there's like (laughs) nine other things you do (laughs) and it's like sucks but i i accept it i go i talk to a lot of people who are smarter than i am But there's a thing that happens then where like they will insist on a certain version of reality or life as absolute like he's doing in this scene. And you don't want that to be true. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's part of like a negative personality trait. But it's so connected to all of their positive personality traits of like how smart and thoughtful they are that like you. You have to take it as admirable. (laughs) <laughs> like it has to be admirable that David Foster Wallace is like, I'm not going to enjoy this fame. Right. Although I didn't take it like that. I sort of thought like, you know, when you've like done something good and everyone's complimenting you and you're like, this is so nice to hear these compliments. But like the reality of what I just did was that I didn't wear pants for three weeks and I feel like shit about myself because I know there's a typo. Like well, that gets clarified later. Right. Like that, that he's like, now I have to accept that like I'm not, I'm no longer like, um, getting adulation everywhere I go because the tour is over and right. I have to just like be by myself. And then I have to. But the, but to me, there's something about like certain, whatever you, I, I had a friend who was really, uh, I thought was like, so like musically, like, uh, incredibly smart and mm-hmm. also like, just like funny and intellectual person who I like always felt good talking to them. And they had like a very like avoidant sort of personality where like, they just felt like people had too much access to them and they would just disappear. Ugh, and it was like, kind of it was like <laughs> this, I was like, I guess that's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, want to date that But person. I think that is a, <laughs> I think that that is damage that this person yes, has. Yeah. But because they have so many positive qualities, because I have them on sort of like a pedestal, I'm like, whatever they're doing, I think is cool. I see. And I think that David Foster Wallace has some, and it's clear, some like sort of toxic traits, like his attitude towards like television and how damaging it is, is partially because like he's broken yeah, and can't like enjoy watching. it in a, like, but then you go like, TV's bad. You shouldn't own a TV becomes the takeaway for like all of Gen X because this guy had a specific issue with it. And I just think it's whatever. Interesting. The way those things get conflated where it's like this person's smart. And so all of their attitudes and ideas must have a ton of value where some of them are fucked up. Right. Like it's a little I believe their self-righteousness as my like. Yeah, I should have that. I'm. I don't like myself because I don't feel that way about it, and I need to somehow adopt this POV. Right. um, Is how I feel sometimes. Poor Gen X for no TV. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Joan Cusack rocks. Oh, she was great. Uh, Editors insisting on asking the heron question. This is another thing I wanted to cover. You've mentioned like there's a question that you 
need to ask sometimes or don't want to or whatever. If you had your editor being like, did you get to this yet? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, in so many ways. Like, yeah. uh, I actually, and and this happened recently and I got, we had to kill the piece because it got so freaking contentious. I didn't want to ask this question. I was like, this person had a, a former boyfriend that was like a much older than them when they were a teenager. And they're like, my editor was, you've got to ask her about it. Like, you know, this is like a retrospective looking back at her time in that, that era, you've got to ask her about it. And so I lazily punted like this is a pretty standard thing journalists do where they're like i don't want to be the bad guy i'm going to throw my boss under the bus here and say like my editor read the draft we didn't really address this in a way that satisfies them and she was like you're your own person don't come to me with your editor told you this is you this is you wanting to know and then yelled at me for 45 minutes straight on oh tape and i was i i couldn't really argue back because like i had done yeah. the lazy way and oh. uh, I, I still have it all on tape. That's a tape I saved. <laughs> and, oh, and, um, but yeah, there's always a question. Because it's like... Let's play the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin? <Ooh. laughs> Cue it up. Yeah, um, yeah that's... Uh, that's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it seems interesting. Like, I like obviously don't do that kind of work. But like man it's got to be scary it's like terrifying. they know it's coming yeah, you, you know, know it's, it's coming. coming um i'll tell you i had an idea so we had talked about doing this or maybe possibly doing almost famous and i had a a movie idea a while ago that i thought could be good maybe somebody will hear this and steal it oh, maybe, yeah. maybe they won't or maybe they'll give me money for it <laughs> but that it was basically like an end of the tour or like almost famous type movie but it was a journalist following an athlete and the model would be I had the idea during like Kobe's farewell tour yeah. where like every city he went to was a major event. It was like, just like the, it was all sold out just to see him in his last year. Cause we knew he was retiring and somebody following him during that like media circus and waiting to get to the question. Not that it would be Kobe specifically, but like there's this huge controversy in yeah. your past and like we're doing this thing celebrating your career and like what a big deal you are but also like we're gonna have to deal with this thing at one point and like you know i think the way that certainly the people you profile how i imagine they think is part of them is going your job is to make me look cool right and you're going no my job is to get the answers that people want about <laughs> your shit <laughs> I'm so and them going but you don't fucking exist without me. Your job is to write about me. So you do what I want, you know, like, and yeah. it's like, no, I only am here because there's something interesting people want to know. Like, and there's this great push and pull. And I went and I pitched the idea Ooh. to Blake Griffin's company Ooh, I love because they had a pod and they were like, we're producing stuff. And then I was told they don't want to do anything about basketball. Uh. And I thought, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. <laughs> Well, what if he was a football player? Just, just switch it around. They wanted to stay away from sports, oh, which okay. again, I thought was probably the area where they would have yeah, value. They <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> Not my business. Yeah. We uh, don't know anything. So, you know, we'll hurry through some of this because Helson has something for my listeners. One of my uh, listeners I, was like, you guys uh, shouldn't feel the need to hurry through it. It's like, <laughs> It's not for you. I mean, we could take a. I think we could take time. We could take a forty-five minute break while I talk to my therapist and come back. It's just too late to cancel. Okay, she's in therapy. Psycho. <laughs> <Mental health. laughs> oh 
Then David Foster Wallace is annoyed with Lipsky's flirting with the girl at the oh, book yeah. thing. Um, uh, I did th- think it was really good, the portrayal of Eisenberg's like flirty, like chop busting in the diner where he like asks David Foster yeah. Wallace a question of like how he started doing something. He's like, worst superhero uh, origin, origin story, story. ever. <laughs> and he goes, I never said it was an origin story. And then under his breath, he goes, book man. <laughs> Like, this Perfect is so moment. fucking real. This is, this I is know, like, but this is. A, I found that moment so funny where I was like, uh, like, dude, do you're doing a job. Like your job yeah. is not to like antagonize this man so you can get. But late he wants letter. to create value. Yeah. Like he's been like, it's like pickup artist stuff. Like he's been introduced as a Rolling Stone, right? He right. wants to put show that he can put down David Foster. Like it's so. So loaded. And yeah. yes, it, as you talked about, all this weird like male ego stuff they're having is like so weird. Um, and then uh then he says he makes the joke in the backseat where he says, like, oh, she asked him to roll up the window oh, and he God. says, We're on the hypothermia smoking tour. And she goes, That <laughs> sounds like something Dave, Dave would, would say. say. <laughs> and I love Dave Osterwald going, doesn't it? <laughs> That was great. I uh, loved all that stuff. Uh, that was great. Even though Don't I was, have you're a bad there. at your job, sir. It's all I could keep thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Um, uh, whatever. Dave Foster Wallace gets on the phone with his girlfriend. Then it's like he's jealous yeah. that his girlfriend thinks this guy's more talented than he is. Right. Talk to her um, half an hour. <laughs> I know. He gets so mad. Do you ever deal with this, being mad that someone you're dating is a fan of someone? No. What? Let them yeah. be, if like it, it's a mental what's it called get out of jail free card if you want to like have a crush on someone I just pro- yeah celebrate please. it it's not, you're not you don't it. have a chance with them you're lucky you have a chance with me no I'm sorry there's I'm a funny That's thing so when you when you That's figure <laughs> I take it back <laughs> <laughs> when you figure out like who the person you're with is really into like with with Grace like every time somebody would come <laughs> up who was like attractive she'd be like. Yeah, I mean, I get like they're good looking. I mean, it's not like they're like Ben Affleck. <laughs> like, it was always the exact after like three years of like it's like yeah, I mean, I guess he's a good looking guy. I mean, it's not like he's like he's not like Ben. Affleck. It's just like okay, okay, I get it. You're in love with Ben Affleck. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I got her a Ben Affleck autographed Red Sox hat. Oh my god, uh, see, wife. So it's like I know what you like. Exemplary wife guy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm not gonna fight this. Can't fight City Hall. Um, <laughs> Uh, David Foster Wallace talks about how being shy is actually just being so self-absorbed that it's hard to be around other people (laughs) uh, and being a shy egomaniac. Do you think of that as like a default artist personality? Shy Uh, egomaniac? Yeah. Is that something you relate to at all? I don't see you that way. No, no, no. I'm... um, I think you're more extroverted. I'm much more extroverted. I I would say I call myself a self-flagellating narcissist. Well, this is, I mean, the addict cliche, like in, in, uh, addiction circles, it's like an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Yes. It's like everyone should be doing it my way. Like everyone should be listening to me, but also I'm a piece of shit and I hate myself. (laughs) It's all my fault. It's like, and so obviously he has addiction issues too, but it does feel like a writery thing. And I think there's a lot of overlap, obviously. Um, uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm having an existential crisis in this. <laughs> there is, and certainly in entertainment, yeah. there's a reason there's so many addicts. You know, it's like this, like the highs and lows, and like the whatever, the self exploration shit. Yeah. Um, so then there's a um, a scene that I think I'll take as my wish I wrote. It's sort of like I, I like what the screenplay did in terms of like exploring this theme over and over again, where he, he they have these talks about ideas, and he has a good 
line where he says if there's a certain sadness for people under 45 it has to do with pleasure and achievement and yeah. entertainment like a sort of emptiness at the heart of what they thought was going on yeah and it's yeah. like you what you thought was going to make you happy won't and then when jesse eisenberg says like you're selling well like don't like doesn't that give you satisfaction like you are a success now and he says if you are used to making things that are unpopular and don't sell well the way you shield yourself and what you tell yourself to comfort you is that popular things are actually shitty and what you're making is good. And then if you make something popular, the very mechanism you use to shore yourself up is now part of the dark nexus or whatever. That's like his, I, I love that. Yeah. As someone who has yet to make something popular, I can only imagine what'll happen when I do because like, it's like, whatever, like we, I have handbook and I'm like proud of it. But it's not huge. Right. But I'm always like, because it's too good. That's not really <laughs> how I, but it's like, well, it's like, it's, uh, you it's know, like, niche. it's like, because it's it's not popular. Yeah. It's not fucking for the mass. It's like, you got to like really get it to get my shit. So it's like, if I ever made something like that really became super popular, it's like, I would have to then double back on the the only thing I've been soothing myself with right. for the past 10 years. Um, oh, yeah. So I like that. And they come to that a lot. And I just thought that they did a good job of it. I thought there's a moment where I thought he's repeating himself in the same ideas. And then I realized like, no, this is a portrayal of an obsessive person. Right. Um, and and I thought it was done well. Sharpening it each time or like getting yes. a different layer of it each yes, time. Yes, a different layer, a different angle on it, which yeah. is what he does. Right. Um, and like his core obsession during this interview period, at least. Um, they go to see the movie Broken Arrow. Oh, uh, they watch the Late Shift movie. John Michael Higgins catches a stray from David Foster Wallace, <laughs> yeah. how he hated him in college. I did look it up. Yeah, they did graduate Amherst the same year. Oh, funny. Um, then his dark side comes out. So we got to talk about this. Uh he he kind of like pins Eisenberg against the fridge yeah. and is like, stop flirting. Like you're Look using my fame basically to get this number from this girl, like, and says like, you're trying to sleep with her. And Jesse Eisenberg's like, what are you talking about? Do you think he was like consciously really trying to flirt and like get with her? I do. I think it's, it, because it's like this, at this part of the movie, it was these, a war of egos. It like yeah. stopped being about like, I'm here doing my job and you're mm -hmm. the person I'm doing the job with and for. It was like a, a dick swinging contest. And I think yeah. Jesse picked up or David picked up on that girl being attracted to him a little bit. She brought him the poetry book. And he yeah. was like, this is one way I can win against this person that I cannot be. So I think he was flirting for sure. Yeah, I I, I, I think so too. Although it was like, it was sort of innocent. And I do, it was like, there's a lot of David Foster Wallace talking about trying to like suppress his own ego. Yeah. And this was a moment I felt like that was well done because he was going, it is a total ego contest. And he's like, I'm the main attraction. Yep. My dick wins. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was like, let's remember, yeah. I'm being nice about it, but I'm, I'm cool. But also the the situation, like, yeah, it's his dick matters more in this. You are no, hired you're, to Yeah, be you're here. following him. Yeah. And he's like, It's yeah. his world. And I think there's also a jealousy that Lipsky can like flirt with this girl and yeah. has no baggage with it. Yeah. Because relationships for him you've seen are so complicated. 100%. That he's like, this dude has it simple. He's just like, 
I'm trying to fuck this chick. Right, he's and, I, and like, I can't be like that. <laughs> right. Like, I can't let myself, like I have too much other stuff going on internally. And so like, that's another way that, reason that he lashes out, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was sort of shown. Um, have you ever had an interview subject like get mad at you or turn on you in any I mean, way like this? Besides like asking questions that they didn't want to answer. No, because I'm really firmly like, I, I, I have a huge ego, I'm sure. Uh, but like I believe in ego death professionally. So like when I go into these things, I'm like, I'm just a fly on your wall, baby. Like if you want to swap me, swap me. I'm not, I'm never trying to compete with the energy. Yeah. It's like, and so I, I got so frustrated watching that where I was like, you should never like let yourself get to this point where you've uh, antagonized your source so much. They want to pin you against a fridge. Like, it's just like, you're yeah. just not good at your job. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I haven't, interviewed someone I know that like I've had jobs where um before I started saying my famous phrase about to my show runners about <laughs> I'm here to help you make your show where I would get into a little especially yeah. it was like there was a creator and then a showrunner and the showrunner was trying to sort of get the creator's vision across and I would feel sometimes like I had a better idea of what they wanted mm. and got into kind of contest with someone who was my boss and so in this same dynamic, I, a creative person just flipping a switch. I did have a showrunner at one point who just like at a certain point of the job just started every morning by sending me to a different room. Wow. <laughs> like, it was just so Sean. obvious. They'd be like, all right, so, uh, you know, we're going to we're gonna start working on 108 with kind of the B team. And that will be Sean uh, in that room. <laughs> I just started because he was so frustrated oh, and geez. and he was the least talented writer i've ever worked with um <laughs> <laughs> will he know who he is listening to this i'll, I'll, I'll tell him friend okay. uh <laughs> ego death <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't, yeah i haven't seen him in years but i ran into him in the picket line and he he was like want to walk around for a little bit do a couple laps and i was like yeah 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 you go ahead <laughs> <laughs> you go to the other room <laughs> um uh, nice guy, cool guy. Um, uh, so anyway, um, uh, then we have a good line where uh, David Foster Wallace says, I don't think writers are smarter than other people. Lipsky's kind of going like, we're both writers. We see things in this other way. He right. goes, I don't think writers are smarter than other people. I think they may be more compelling in their stupidity. <laughs> That's fair. That's a mission statement for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'm not saying that writers are great. That's why we talk about them. But the stupidity is compelling. Um <laughs> Uh, then he lays out this thing that I really related to where he says he wishes that he could just get all of his interview answers and rewrite all of his own quotes. Yep. And he says, I can be very smart when I have time to sit alone with my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good writer's thing. And yeah. have you, I know you've done a lot of interviews. Have you been interviewed? Oh, well, like this, I've done this type of thing. Yeah. But I will probably email you and say, oh, I feel weird about that one thing yeah. I said. But no, I will never be interviewed. I don't care what I put out in the world next. And I, if I have to do some sort of book tour when my book publishes, mm -hmm. I am not dumb enough to be interviewed. <laughs> Sorry. For a magazine thing. So like we did a little, we got a little write up for Hollywood Handbooks 500 and Vulture. And then that. I did like a paste magazine thing on this show. And I do those interviews and it's like, I feel so fucking boring. Yeah. Like I'm just like talking and, <laughs> and I do have this feeling. I'm like, I wish that you would send me the whole transcript and I could pick and rephrase. Cause I think I could answer these questions well, but when you get asked, you're just like, this is getting written down. <laughs> I, I'll honor the writers. I feel like they did a good job of not making me sound stupid. Right. But like, it's like this weird thing too, of like, if you have a fucking 
your show is Hollywood Hamlet, and you're like, am I supposed to be funny? Should I be be funny in the answer? <laughs> Probably better. Yeah. But I wasn't. Don't be boring. But yeah. it's like, I'm Try a, and be funny I was boring time. instead. But I was like, <laughs> oh, I want to answer this question. Uh, anyway. Um, then he says, I treasure my regular guyness. I've come to think it's maybe a, my greatest asset as a writer. Um, I feel like this moment foreshadows the personal branding of TV show pitches Ooh. that like, and I've, you've been through the process a little bit, you know, it's always like, why are you the only person that can write this story? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just I thought know, it was a man. good idea, like, but it's like, it really, you do need to. And I think that he was doing that. Maybe not with that, not with the commercial idea of it, but just was like, this is what I bring to the table right. um, as a writer. This is the thing that only I am doing. And then uh, Jesse Eisenberg has the very good retort, maybe the one exchange that he really wins where he says, you don't crack open a thousand page book because you heard the author's a regular guy. Hey. Uh, <laughs> you need him line. to be a genius. I yeah, thought it was good. That was good. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of this we've talked about. Um, uh, then we get into the whole thing of him having to decompress and return to real life. Right. You know, I'm alone in a room with a piece of paper. Um, you said already, you've answered, you've, you've had moments where you felt like hot shit and then you're like, like you have like a moment where something's going well and you know that at the end of the day, um, Oh, the yeah. reality of it was that you didn't wear pants. <laughs> Last that. night, even I went to some, that. That. Yeah. <laughs> I went to some party and I, with the story out, everyone was like, Oh, the story, the story. And I was like, I don't, I, I actually was such a dick. I was like, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm dodging the discourse. I like, <laughs> can I just get a fucking mini cocktail weenie and stop talking to you? And uh, I felt so rude, but I was also like, this is just like a stressful week. I don't want to chat about it. It's not like a, like the compliments and like the thing that you think a cover story means to someone is not real. Like what's real is me feeling like I wish I could rewrite it, you know? But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can only see the, yeah, you can only see the issues you have. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I have that bad habit. Even when I would do improv shows and people go like, great show. I'd be like, I should have done this and this. Like just like <laughs> somebody who doesn't good. care. Like if I just right. like. Uh, it's I'm a just party like, line. Yeah. You know, actually it wasn't as good as you think. Like you <laughs> right. didn't enjoy it. Let's review the You didn't enjoy it because actually I know more than you about it. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So then we get to like the, the heroin convo finally. My one thought on this is he says, like, I know you want to write this because it's compelling. My primary addiction is television. And I know that's not sexy or interesting. <laughs> Weirdly, the movie does make television addiction. So interesting. It's so interesting because yeah. it's like so unique. And the couple times that you catch like that, yeah. he's just like he has gotten sucked into the television and he can't pull himself away. That is like more destructive to him than heroin, than heroin yeah. was is like really. uh I don't know. At least like I haven't seen it before. Yeah. And so I thought that was kind of cool. And then he gets into like um, he has another good whatever, a, a good line about like he's like I was, you know, I wasn't like a tortured artist. I was a 20 year old person who had exhausted a couple of other ways to live, yeah. taking them to their conclusion. Uh, and when that happens, you become tremendously willing to examine alternatives for how to live. Um, that is a good statement about uh addiction which i've talked about on the show before yeah. but it's like hitting a point where it's like i cannot <laughs> the the tv or drugs or whatever i'm doing is no longer doing something positive for me and i cannot keep doing it but i cannot imagine life without it right so now what now what um, that's so young to ask that question but um yeah uh not as young as I was. Um, 
ego. I also got put in the psych ward. So, you, David, uh, so maybe and David. I'm, yeah, maybe I'm an even more <laughs> brilliant genius than David Foster Wallace. <laughs> we need to have a sequel, I suppose. I was <laughs> you, that writer, and a Ouija board. Talked to Dixie and Contest. Yes, yes, I have to get in there and go. I also, they were worried that I would hurt myself. Um, um, so, and I was only 23. Um, so, uh, his characterization of things as American, I want to talk about, is that more or less of a concept now that like three times he goes like, I had a very American approach. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. I know that felt like, I don't know, like junior year philosophy, but which is, yeah, which yeah. is like, why not to despair? Did you like the movie? Um, I I remember really liking it when I saw it when I was younger, and like I starting like, out. I saw career. it in the theater and was excited for it, and yeah. I think I liked it better. I still think it's interesting. I still like movies like this yeah. where it's like small and people talking about ideas. Right. Like and I my, do like my that work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not like the movie the second time though. I found it. I mean, maybe I'm just like sick of two handers with white guys talking about ideas but yeah. you know I felt very exhausted by all and they both sucked and I wanted to like anybody in that movie besides Joan Cusack and I couldn't <laughs> yeah it's hard to you have to I think it's like made for people who go into it with a hero worship yeah. already and then you experience it through the eyes of someone who got to be up close with their hero right and that as flawed as he is it's still supposed to be kind of like a cool wish fulfillment thing to spend that much time and he does you know he does take it away as like this was the best conversation I've ever had in my life right. Um, so that that angle and if you don't have that feeling about dude <laughs> there's sort not like, as much for you there totally. um, so then uh, he talks about like this skyscraper thing um, I've already made this point he says the same ideas with different phrases mm -hmm. you can cut this <laughs> um, yeah did you think that was like a strength or a weakness of the movie or the screenplay how often he talks about like the same stuff Americans taking action to yeah. fix, like taking a physical action to fix an emotional problem or, um, you know, not being satisfied with, uh, you know, what other people think of as success or. Every now and again, I wish they would have used the structure of the fact that this was an interview a little bit more. Yeah. Just to like, to like, uh, because I feel like we were saying we liked that because we sort of understood why it was there because that's how he talked. That's how David Foster Wallace thought. Mm -hmm. But if at any point, like, just for the audience to not be like, what? why does this feel reminiscent of something that I've been feeling for the past 45 minutes? Yeah. They could have just said like, you keep exploring this. Well, like, use some like interview yes, questions yes. to help it us out like a little It seems like you've returned bit. to that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Something where he notices. Yeah. So we notice too, you know? Here's the last like big question I feel like I have for you specifically, which is like, there is a moment I thought was really good where like they've had this big kind of blowout. Then Jesse oh. Eisenberg sleeping on the mattress again and david foster wallace comes in and kind of like has this big cathartic like pours his heart out like moment yeah and lays himself bare and it feels like they're connecting and then he leaves the room and just has grabs his fucking notebook and he starts writing down everything <laughs> yeah. and there's another thing where they're sort of connected and, and Dave Foster Wallace leaves the house and he starts running around the house like saying everything oh. he sees where he's like, there's clothes everywhere, there's clothes over the back of the chair, there's yeah. this, big, this picture of this, there's family wall. pictures like people having like a dorm room when they're a kid. Yeah. Like just like all this stuff. I loved that. It's great. But both of those moments are like when you're doing your work and at, 
for me, even though I don't do this as a writer, you are sometimes interacting with people and you're just collecting things yeah. from them. You're just like, oh, this is like, I can use this. Yeah. And you're not actually there with them. You're like you're in your fucking script. Up here watching. And, and um, do you feel like a parasite? Do you feel like a spy? <laughs> like, is there, because there's something ghoulish about it. Yeah, you know I what feel I like mean? A like, blood sucking pathogen. But, the, but, yes. when, he's get, but yeah. when he's getting all the stuff, it does, it feels like a spy. Like, it's yeah. like he's like memorizing every like corner of the room. Like, it feels like fucking born identity. <laughs> like, well, it's really, it's, it's sometimes why I feel so unethical doing profiles because yeah. like, they know they're there to answer questions, but they don't also they don't they don't see what I'm seeing. So they don't know what I'm picking up and what I'm noticing. And I don't want them to notice that I'm noticing. Like I don't want them to know that I go into their bathroom and I like scribble down observations or I quickly like say things into my phone or I like describe the house so I don't lose it. Like they sh the subjects should never like know what I'm seeing because it's yeah. like sort of mine to 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 use to process and perceive. But that sometimes feels like non-consensual, you know? Like yeah. So it's I've been having some like tricky ethical tanglings with like the act of profiles doing them this way, which is sort of like a fly on the wall in someone's life, because um, it does feel kind of sneaky and like. I, I talked you know. to somebody who worked for like a sort of like, I don't know if I should say the name of the show, but like where they're using real people, and sometimes I think it's like somebody will accidentally like not realize like reveal like they'll like mention like they believe in a conspiracy theory yeah. or something. And everyone becomes activated is what I'm told around that of like, this is how we're going to like portray this yeah. person. And it's like, you know, that is writing too. We're just like, oh, like I'm like, I'm sure when you're profiling someone or even if you're just doing something inspired by someone who's like, this is like that thing you said, that's, that's you it. now. Like yeah. I'm making you a two dimensional character based yeah. on that. Um, so it's a you weird. You reduce even when you don't want to. Kind of gross thing, but it does like make it palatable as entertainment yep <laughs> um so then yeah we're basically down to the end um uh col he collects those recordings we have um dave oswalls you know a little bit of pizza said having a lot of attention means that if bad attention can hurt you the caliber of the weapon has gone way up um i've seen you get backlash that on is. certain things are you like do you have a high tolerance for it or does it make you insane oh it makes me insane i'm like because I feel like I'm so week. bad with it. Like I get a negative comment or something and I'm just like, and I know I'm like, shouldn't look, but yeah, it's like, but it look. makes me crazy. I'm a soft little Pisces bitch. Like this stuff kills me That's when I get funny because I feedback. think of you as like tough because you keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm I was a masochist. Like, oh, you're There's like, a difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, okay, I'm asking. Okay, yeah. great. That that makes you make sense to me. Because okay. I was like, how do you do it? Like you do it on a bigger scale than I do and really like seem to have a better attitude. Um, and then the other thing is, I love the moment before it ends with Jesse Eisenberg reading his book about David Foster Wallace to a packed house right. mirrors the reading from the beginning. Now he's a success, but also oh, like nice through bad. this other thing. Yeah. But before that, he gets a shoe in the mail. <laughs> yeah. And I love this scene because he opens up the shoe and it says like, I believe this is yours. And then he starts ripping through the box For certain that there must else. be more correspondence. Yeah. Because it was so meaningful to him that it's like, and now we start our exchange. And there is something about like, and I'm sure when you profile people or when I've had, when I've worked with people, like I'm working on a show and like there's like an actor I admire or something, we seem to connect. And yeah. it's like, and then we'll continue our dialogue outside <laughs> the project. We'll keep texting. And it's like, no, you won't. Here's your shoe. <laughs> That's it. Left your shoe here. That's all. Um. So uh, I thought that was a, uh, 
also a powerful picture of the flip side. Like he has some power as a profiler, but it's also like you're discarded. Yeah. I, I wondered because I went to I looked up the I couldn't remember if that piece had actually gotten published or not, if it was just a book. And he never published the Rolling Stone profile. He like couldn't write it. He couldn't get David Foster Wallace out of his head when he was trying to write the actual profile for Rolling Stone. He won an award for it. No. I, I, it's a foreword of his book that it never got published. Oh. And then Jan changed his mind and moved on to something else. And he went and profiled heroin addicts in C- Seattle, I think. I think this oh. is right. I might be wrong. Oh, okay. Double check me. No, Can you fact no, check no. me? Uh, no, no, no. Look, you have to start therapy. You're sick. You're a sick person. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I, if, if it's true, he didn't publish it, which now I do need to fact check. I thought it was interesting that mm-hmm. he couldn't write it because he couldn't get dfw out of his head mm-hmm. and i was like that's how you know you're too close to it like you can't write a genuine profile of a person that you're that close to because you will never get them and their thoughts about what you're writing and their feelings about what you're writing out of your head right. and you have to to be able to put them on a page um yeah. so that's why i think that that he wasn't great at his job because he failed the first duel of profile writing don't get too goddamn close you know? Okay. He received the National Magazine Award in 2009. For I what? Know. I don't know. Well, I've got is, it all wrong. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I, you, you know, or, or you did. Uh, <laughs> one of us But did. probably I did, which is one of my main things I like to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison, yeah, for coming. I'm so sorry that you're uh, going into a mental health spiral as a result of us pushing <laughs> your therapy appointment. We love you. So glad Thanks, you're guys. here in L.A. I'll send you the bill. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> and I'll forward it to Grace. Uh, um, uh, thanks for listening to Subtitles On, everybody. The show about movies and writers movies. <laughs> <laughs>